Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to another episode of So I'm Married a Horror Fan. I am Simon. And I'm Lee. Welcome to episode 152. This is our second episode for November and our Horror Adaptations Month. I'm having to not look at you. <laughs> this is already off to a... Mate, we're not, even, we're not even 30 seconds into this and it's already off to a chaotic start. So before we get into this episode, I can't believe we are halfway through November. I can't believe we are one, two, three, three weeks away from having to do our top tier, a best of 2023. Oh, shit. Which means I am furiously going to be watching a lot of movies when I'm working from home this yeah, week. fuck. I don't even know if I've seen ten. <laughs> do, you know what, do you know what's really going to annoy, do you know what really has annoyed me? What? Is that It's a Wonderful Knife has just come out, written by Michael Kennedy, which is a Christmas slasher, mm -hmm. and it's been released in cinemas in America, but apparently it hasn't got a UK release. It's going to shudder in January. What fucking good is that to me? Mm -hmm. I've seen 11 films this year, uh, and TV shows. Well... I need to watch a fuck ton more before we do that list. Uh... Thanksgiving's out this week, so I won't I'm, be watching I'm going to watch Thanksgiving. There's a bunch of stuff I need to catch up on. Like, I haven't seen The Passenger yet. I haven't seen Thanksgiving because it's not out yet. I haven't seen... Um, I've watched Angry Black Girl yet. Angry Black Girl and a Monster. I haven't seen Where Evil Lurks, which everyone's banging on about on Shudder. There was a few Shudder movies. There's that one that I think came out this year with the girls and the masks and the big mansion. and uh, With Bunny Rabbit. Yeah, masks, I can never it, remember yeah. what the fuck that was called. There was a few on Shudder that I wanted to check out. Um, I still need to see the suit. I need to see Suitable Flesh. I haven't seen that shit yet. Um, so yeah, there's a few. I have a list. I have a list of all the ones I have watched, and then I have a list of all the ones that I haven't that I need to catch up on. Um, so I'll be making my way. I imagine making my way downtown with my list. Walking fast. Wait, you see, she played that fucking emo festival a couple of weeks ago. No. Yeah, you know that When We Were Young Fest? Michelle Branch plays. I love how you're like, you know, the When We Were Young Fest is if you don't automatically know that I know exactly what the fuck that is, because it's Matt Cutchell. That's for the listeners. No, that's Emo's Not Dead Fest, which is the one he had on the boat. Oh. When We Were Young is like a he proper... He was there, though, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. a proper big three-day festival. It was festival. all over his Instagram. He, I assumed he, he was played, involved. He uh, played his... Like, yeah, he played. The, the, no broken, broken Hero, hero played. played. Yeah, but yeah, Michelle Branch played. She's got a pit going... Got interviewed by Rock Sound magazine. Fuck yes, Michelle. <laughs> I was like, yeah, fuck you, drummer from the Black Keys. Um, no. Is that Michelle Branch? Yes. Are we sure? No, Michelle Branch. It's Vanessa Carlton. Yes. Oh my god! Every Holy time. shit! Every fucking time. The minute you said that, I was like, oh, that's not Michelle Branch. No. Michelle Branches. Michelle Branches everywhere to me. Yeah, Vanessa Carlton. When I close my eyes. The one who will walk. No, whatever, whatever her miles. looks is. Is it a thousand miles? She's not the one who will walk, but she will mm. run a, a, a ride a piano and a thousand miles. Into the sky. She's the one who does the song in White Chicks. I don't fucking know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doodly, doodly, She'll doodly, ride a piano a doodly, thousand doodly, miles. Doodly, doodly, doodly. Not the proclaimers, though, who will walk if a I thousand could miles. Just say it. Tonight. Tonight. <laughs> um, absolutely nothing to do with this episode. I just was out there wilding for Michelle Branch, because big fan, have been since... Uh... So Michelle Branch played, or Vanessa Carlton? Michelle Branch played. <laughs> Michelle... Michelle Branch played the uh, When We Were Young Fest. 
That's fair. Big up Michelle. That Branch. makes way more sense than it. Do you know what, you know what would have been fucking hilarious though? Is if she'd covered thousand miles they're not the same person. they do look very similar they though don't. and they have similar voices no they, they don't. have a very similar early 2000s dawson's creek soundtrack in not quite kelly clarkson not quite pink voices all right whatever i think they sound similar we should do a poll a completely right. unrelated poll on our thing nothing to do with our podcast but yeah uh, right let's just get into it because otherwise we're going to get distracted again and neither of us can be trusted apparently mm. We are both children. Keep an eye on our social media at some point this week as well, because I will be dropping the lineup for. Oh, I thought uh, you were going to talk about the poll you were planning. No, 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 because I will be dropping the uh, lineup for December. How we're closing out this year? I think we're closing out pretty strong. Yeah, it's a pretty good lineup to be fair. Right, should we crack on? Yeah, should we crack this one week, out? We are covering Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. P P Z. P A P A Z. Do you know what I mean? Like, the, the use of ands and not ampersands really angers me in this. Because they can't... And I'm not going to get into it. Okay. Uh, so, this movie was both written and directed by Bill Steers. Bill Steers. Sorry, Bill. Uh, and uh, based on a novel by Seth Graham Smith and Jane Austen. <laughs> not to be confused with Seth Gordon Smith, because I do that all the time. Okay. Uh, Cast-wise for this movie, we have Lily James as Elizabeth Bennet, Sam Riley as Mr. Darcy, Bella Heathcote as Jane Bennet, Ellie Bamber as Lydia Bennet, Millie Brady as Mary Bennet, and Suki Waterhouse as Kitty Bennet, Douglas Booth as Mr. Bingley, Sally Phillips as Mrs. Bennet, Charles Dunce as Mr. Bennet, Jack Hewson as George Wickham, Lena Headey as Lady Catherine de Burr, Matt Smith as Parson Collins, Emma Greenwell as Caroline Bingley, uh, and I think that's kind of it. Mm-hmm. I hey. can't <clears throat> remember what her friend is called who marries Mr. Bingley. Oh, no, uh, Parson Collins. Dave. Um, no. Oh, but she's not really integral to the plot. Um, this movie uh, was an epic bomb, I think is the only way to put it. I just closed the page. That was very helpful of me, wasn't it? She did such a good job there. So this movie was made on a budget of $28 million estimated. Mm-hmm. And gross worldwide, it made $16,457,494. Mate, did you mention that Rosamund Pike is in this? No. For like two scenes. No. Uh, gross worldwide, it made £16,457,494. So it was a legitimate bomb. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, she is. She's in the very beginning, isn't she? Yeah. I don't even know if she is in the cast list for this, babe. She just pops in for I, a couple of scenes. I don't know if she's credited. I'm just double checking. I think she was on one of the posters that I saw. Um... She is not credited. Because I'm 100% positive she's in one of the adaptations of this, like the proper adaptations. Like Pride and Prejudice, that is not P, P, and C. Um, uh, yes, yeah, she's in the 2005 film version. With Mark McFadden. Yes. Yeah. TVA agent Mark McFadden. Uh, I don't think she's... Uh, babe, she's not... 
Oh, is she the friend? Yeah, 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 yeah. When she turned, when Lily James's character turns up, when Lizzie Bennet turns up to see her sick sister, Rosamund Pike's sat at the dinner table, and then when she has the conversation about reading the art of war in like Chinese, she sat at that table as well. She's literally in those two Are scenes. Are you sure? She's not credited anywhere as being in it, babe. Yeah, she might. It might be an uncredited cameo, but that's a hundred percent Rosamund Pike, bro. Uh, yeah, it's nowhere online has anywhere referenced... Nah, either way. ...that she's in it. But it, if it's not Rosamund Pike, it's a woman who looks extremely like Rosamund Pike. Oh, yeah, because I don't know who... <coughs> it will probably be either Louisa or Charlotte, and that's mm. Eva Bell and Aislin. Aislin? I can never pronounce the name when I see it wrote down. Ashlyn? Ashlyn. Is it A-I-S-L-I-N-G? Yeah, Ashlyn Lofus. Loftus? I can't pronounce that name. Uh, but yeah, so it's probably one of those two people because mm. it's not Morford Clark. Who's in this randomly? Oh uh, yeah, she plays um, Georgiana, who I'm pretty sure is the daughter mm-hmm. of Lena Headley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lena Headley. Catherine, Catherine de Burr. Yeah. Before Catherine she became St. Maud. Yeah. Or it's also, it could also be Hermione Caulfield who mm. plays Cassandra. Isn't fucking Morford Clark, what's her name, in Rings of Power as well? Uh, yes, she is in Rings of Power. You are correct. Uh, so there we go. That is the cast of this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, plot line wise, because if you don't understand the the premise of Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, five sisters in 19th century England must cope with the pressure of marrying while protecting themselves from a growing zombie, growing population of zombies. Or to put it more plainly, it's Pride and Prejudice with zombies. With zombies. Playing. Yeah, pretty much. That's exactly what this film is. Mm. So you are a fan of Jane Austen's original novel and yes. works. I've actually read both of these books. <laughs> have you? Yeah. I, I have read neither of these books. I thought Project Precious and Zombies, I had a weird memory of having it, buying it from Waterstones, and I thought it came out earlier than this because I thought I'd read it at a different time in my life when I had, but apparently Wikipedia informs me that this book came out on the 1st of April 2009 which means that it's physically impossible for me to have read it any earlier. But yeah, I remember buying the book when it came out because it's one of those things where you're just like, this is either going to be really, really clever or or it's going to be terrible. Either way, it's probably going to be successful for Mm -hmm. being one or the other. And I have to say, the film is a very good good adaptation of the book. Yes. And the actual Pride and Prejudice stuff is actually very well done as well. Mm-hmm. Like, it adheres very well. Like, <clears throat> it, it's one of those things, when you when you think about it in your head, you're like, this is some fucking chump trying to make money off of, like, Jane Austen. However, I don't know who has the rights to Austen's estate. I think it's public domain. But she is a credited co-author on the she book. Is. So every copy of this book that was sold... Money goes to her estate. Money goes to her estate. Mm -hmm. So I don't know who owns her estate. So I will say, I think that that's kind of a classy move. Yeah. Because they didn't have to. Because it's like anything. Like, if you, as long as you give it, like, a certain tweak, you don't have to. Like, um, and it's the same with Sense and Sensibility and Sea Monsters. She's also accredited co-author on that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I for those of you that don't know and have never heard me talk about Jane Austen, uh, I am a very big fan of Jane Austen's work. Uh, and Jane Austen and the Bronte sisters, uh, both. Um, so yeah, I read the original Pride and Prejudice, I want to say, when I was in school or of school age. Um, and I'd seen 
the BBC adaptation, but I've never watched any other adaptation of it. Uh, so interesting. Nobody makes any non royalties from her works. Oh. Uh, so although she has four current living descendants, not directly from her, they're her like nephews yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff. Well, not her nephews, but because <laughs> she never had kids. Uh, but they don't get any of the royalties for any of her work. So more than likely, the family doesn't get... Unless he made it so that the family would yeah, get... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the money went into, work. like, the museum or something. Yeah, because there's the museum and stuff. Yeah, which yeah. we visited, which was dope. It was dope. You are correct. That was a good day. That was a good trip. We got to hang out in Bath, where they uh, filmed some of Persuasion. Then we did. Or, as it was known to certain circles of the internet, the fleabagification of Austin... Which I yeah. thought was really we funny. went to Jane Austen's house. We saw where she lived when she lived there. We did the Frankenstein house. Yeah, we saw a bunch of Mary Shelley shit. We saw where Mary Shelley wrote Frankenstein. We saw where Mary Shelley which wrote Frankenstein. We didn't do dope. any Bridgerton stuff because at the time I hadn't seen Bridgerton. What, what Lee basically says is we didn't take a fucking carriage ride around the town centre and shag in the back of a carriage. Which is unfortunate. I don't think it is. Uh, <laughs> um. <laughs> Mate, fuck it out. Uh, <laughs> we're off to a start, man. We're off to a start. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I like Jane Austen. Jane Austen's one of the very few writers of that era that I uh, gravitated towards. You know, I've I I have had a lot of people coming in and out of my life that have uh, been drawn to like old literature. Like uh, an ex girlfriend of mine was very big into Oscar Wilde and Shakespeare. And uh, a few of my other exes are into like, you know, femi like feminist literature from that era. So it's kind of like, and I've always been very much like, like with a lot of things in life, I, I struggle with um, old language, which is part of the reason why I never gravitated towards like a lot of stuff like Shakespeare and uh, all that sort of stuff. But there's something about the way that Jane Austen particularly writes her characters and it's so interesting looking at like something like persuasion and seeing like a modern version of it or even like when you look at like bridget jones oh. they don't have to change a lot because of the way that the story stands up um what do you mean bridget jones bridget jones is an adaptation of *Pride and prejudice it's based on a book yeah but you know what I mean? Like, it's a loose version. You know how, like, fucking Ten Things I Hate About You and Clueless and all that sort of shit are? They basically oh, yeah. take the premise of the work and then they do, like, a modern framework. Oh. Casting casting Colin Firth as Mr. Darcy after he played Mr. Darcy seemed a bit on the nose, though. But, yeah, like, back to my original point. So, yeah, I read the I read the Pride and Prejudice and Zombies book and I thought it was very interesting what they did with it. But I think that's because they took the original text... And then they went through it page by page and looked for things that where they could naturally insert zombies. Mm. But they also looked at it from a thing of like, if we kill this character on like page five, it's going to have consequences for how the story folds in like the rest of the book. So they looked at it from a respectful way of we can't actually change the story, which is why like none of the main characters die because mm. they need the story to play out basically exactly the same. However... They were saying that this story, back to the multiverse conversation we were having earlier, this story basically posits that the Napoleonic War 
never happens. No, because the zombie war Because of the zombie instead. war happens instead, so it's like a branching timeline. Um, but all of the other events play out exactly how it would have done in, in, the, in the story. But yeah, so what are your thoughts? Did you actually read the original book of this, or did you just... Because you've not read, you've not even read Thingy though, have you? You've not read uh, Pride and Prejudice. I you, have not. The OG. No, I have not. Um, yeah, I'm a bit, I'm not a huge, I've tried numerous times to get on board with Austin and enjoy Austin and I've just never really managed it. I find her writing endlessly boring. <laughs> so I was. I feel like you're gonna throw your drink on me. Nice. Um, which is weird though, because I like adaptations of her work. Like I quite like like the Pride and Prejudice movie, uh, the TV show, the BBC version. I like uh, like um, Bride and Prejudice, the Bollywood version. Yes. Great film. Yes. Uh, one of my favorite movies of all time is Austinland, mm -hmm. which is basically all of Austin's stories mashed together and modernized. Um. So yeah, but I just don't like the book. So I got into this like with the anticipation of I'm probably going to quite enjoy mm -hmm. this because I do like adaptations of her work. Uh, but no, I've never, <coughs> I've not read either of the books this book is based on. This film is based on. Quick question: Did yes. did Jane Austen invent the girl boss? I want to say no. I do feel like the answer to that is no. Or would you say Bronte did? I don't like her, any of those either. I say her. There's, There's three, three of them. them. There's Charlotte, Emily, and I can never remember what the fucking third one's called. Uh, Charlotte, Emily, and... I can't remember. No. Jane? No, because Emily's the one who wrote Wuthering Heights. Charlotte's... Is it Charlotte Bronte? Emily Bronte, Charlotte Bronte? I can't remember what the third one's called. There's three of them. <coughs> I have that collected work. Emily and... Elizabeth and Maria and Charlotte. Because there's five of them. Yeah. But um, Charlotte, Emily and Anne were the writers. The writers, yeah. There we go. Also, that's the reason why Charles Dance looks as old as he does in this movie. Charles Dance's character in this movie is meant to be like 40. He looks like an old man because he's got no fluid left in his body for producing five fucking kids. Old fancy pants dancing. Man's fucking shooting spunk out like left, right and centre. This movie was one Charlie Cox away from being a fucking like clean sweep of like British actors at that time as well. Um, so I what like re, like genuinely though because I know I know how you feel about literature and I know how you feel about like modernized versions of like literature because like obviously you felt slightly differently to, about persuasion to what I did. I loved it. You were a bit like iffy on some of the flea, flea baggy stuff, shall yeah. we say? Um, Whereas I thought it was... But to be fair, that's more because I'm not a fan of Fleabag. Mm. Whereas I thought it was very clever. And I, I, I like the way that they modernise these stories to bring in younger generations. Mm -hmm. Because, again, people like me and my generation do sometimes struggle with the, the older language and settings. So how... When you hear something like this, when you hear, oh my God, they're taking what is probably one of the most significant works of literature and that's putting zombies in it and making it a zombie film as somebody who's not necessarily a fan of the source material but is very protective of literature how did you feel about it first of all i wouldn't say i'm, I wouldn't say I'm protective i love a lot of modernizations of classic literature mm -hmm. i'm a very big fan of quite a few however i think there's a time and a place 
and also certain things shouldn't be done. Hence, I don't like persuasion. Uh, but when I heard about this, I was like, this is either going to be the greatest thing to ever happen to the universe, or it's going to be fucking deplorable. And I feel like I was correct. It would be it would be like having a smoked cheddar to ask get a skeeting over a fucking Beethoven symphony. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. No, you know what? I, I was kind of like, it's stupid enough to work. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I love stuff like that. It's like when they take Shakespeare, but um, Shakespeare, no, Sherlock, and they're like Sherlock versus Cthulhu. Sherlock versus Pinhead. Sherlock versus Pinhead. I think <coughs> they're, 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 I think the Anno Dracula novels do it as well, where they modernise Dracula quite a lot. Mm-hmm. If I'm correct, I haven't read them, but from what I've heard, it's kind of what they do. Uh, and they do it a lot with like a lot of like stuff that's public domain. You'll get weird crossovers, and you're like, what the fuck? Winnie the Pooh, blood and honey. Yeah, do you know what I mean? So like, I'm not precious about stuff like that. Like things are public domain, and I completely understand. Like you're gonna fucking do it because it's genius and it's absolutely fucking ridiculous. Mm. But I do feel like it's just it's just basically fan fiction. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of like how I feel about it. Like, I I said this numerous times. Like, I've always been of the idea of, like, cover versions or, like, remakes of films or, like, mashups. Like, I can see their place in the world and, like, their reason for existing. But, like, it doesn't stop the other thing from existing. Yeah. So it's like if I ju- if I want to just read Pride and Prejudice, I can just read Pride yeah. and Prejudice. Like I don't have to. Yeah, and I think I think this is the thing people get really precious over, it. and I do think there's a time and a place. I think some so cause this is essentially at its very core, it's fan fiction. Yeah, hundred percent. It's Pride and Prejudice fan um, fan fiction set in a zombie apocalypse AU. Is well, exactly what this is. It's a zombie apocalypse AU version of Pride and Prejudice. Well, like, this is what for the folks at home. Explain what an AU is. Alternate universe. Okay, there we go. Uh, <laughs> when I say folks at home, I really meant you. me, but I had to find a way to. <laughs> Alternate universe. Yeah. So it actually started as that. The guy who came up with the idea actually was sat at home just thinking, "Oh, like what would happen if you had like public domain literature, but you added things in?" So he was like. Wuthering Heights with ninjas or like this with that and he phoned Seth Graham Smith and handed the idea over to him he's like bro I've got this idea like what do you think and Seth Graham Smith this either tells you how low of the bar things are in his life or or how much he thought highly of this idea because he was like when I received the phone call so I thought that was the greatest idea I've ever heard it's fantastic and I was like all right fair enough um and then he obviously wrote the book. The book was very successful. There's two sequels, The Dawn of the Dreadfuls, which is a prequel, and then De- uh, The Dreadful Ever After, I think it is, or Dearly Departed Ever After, Dearly which, Departed is, the, Ever After, which is the sequel. Um, and obviously the, the book comes out very successful, spawns a bunch of imitators. Oh, yeah. Like how all these things are. We're going through it at the moment in a weird kind of perverse way with this like nursery rhyme slash public domain kids things becoming horror movies at the moment mm-hmm. with like the Grinch horror movie the Mary Had a Little Lamb one there's a fucking Cinderella one coming Winnie the Pooh Blood mm. Nunny did you actually speak of that did you hear the story about what happened in America the other week no some fucking teacher put that on for a bunch of fourth graders and had to turn it off halfway through because all the kids were crying and like she got fucking suspended from her job and she was like yeah all the kids were like fucking it was like that scene in Ghostbusters Afterlife where Mr. Groove was like yeah Put like fucking chalk play on. Is I find it really interesting. So obviously, like this book did very well. This film did like bad. 
But like, people get very funny about what is essentially published fan fiction. Yeah. This skirt is the line and kind of got away with it because it was back. Yeah. <clears throat> it was pre Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, which is the ultimate fan fiction. Yeah, so and people have become very tender on this subject because because of Fifty Shades of Grey, mm-hmm. but it. It makes me laugh to a degree because I'm like, there's a lot of books out there that have been published before that and after it that are works of fan fiction. Yeah. Or written by fan fiction authors. One of the biggest YA franchises of probably the past fucking like sixty years, the Shadowhunters series, is written by Cassandra Clare, who started out her writing career as a fan fiction author. Yeah. She wrote Harry Potter fan fiction. In fact, I'm pretty sure. <coughs> And I'm not even going to say you can you can question me on this because I'm I'm a hundred percent confident. In fact, the Shadowhunters is based on her Harry Potter fan fiction. Mm. I'm pretty sure it's based on her Draco trilogy. I would also I'd be fascinated to know where your idea on this, especially when it comes to like the first book and the second book, um, how you feel about Ernest Klein, because Ernest Klein's Ready Player One mm-hmm. isn't necessarily fan fiction, but it but takes he, a lot of. But he basically just wrote a story where he could use a lot of other people's works to drive his narrative. So I wouldn't necessarily say... I think his is slightly different because it's essentially like a kid dumping out a toy box and going, ha, 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 what would happen if all these characters like work yeah, together yeah, yeah. in this world? Yeah. So it's not necessarily fan fiction, but it's also... it's it's It like hits that ceiling of like it comes very close to like but like we live in a world currently and i know so many people who are like i didn't know that when i mentioned this to them we live in a world currently where there are a lot of uh raylo fanfics for anyone who doesn't know uh ray and kylo ren Mm -hmm. from star wars being published as actual books love hypothesis is probably the most famous version of this uh by ali hazelwood uh there's been I've read literally in the past three months, like maybe six different books that all started out as radio fan fiction. Yeah. So they're now published work. One of them in which the character was literally called Benji Andor. Mm. Like they're not even trying to hide yeah. it at this point. I also, I also look at this kind of like, I look at this like less like a mashup and more kind of like a remix or like, you know how like hip hop is very, hip hop's probably the genre that this is the most prevalent in, mm. but like, I would say that this is like the book equivalent of like Anaconda by Nicki Minaj. Mm. So basically she takes a very well-known song, uses about 40% of it, Mm. but then puts enough of her own stuff on top Mm. of it that the two things coexist. But you're like, I can't hear that song without hearing Baby's Got Back by Sir Mix-a-Lot. And this is kind of the same thing. Like this is probably 95% Pride and Prejudice and 5% Zombies. Mm. Like... And that, to me, I think is the most interesting part of it. Is like, and like the thing is as well, like it works as a zombie thing mm-hmm. because of like how many plagues and shit there were back then. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's the only reason why this works is because was this before was so the original novel was published in eighteen thirteen, and I can't remember whether it was that was before or after the Great Plague. After the Great Plague. Yeah. So there you go. So you could see zombies. But I feel like you had something else to say. You I, I had a finish. I, had, I, I was halfway through my thought when you started sorry, talking. And sorry. I completely forgot what my line of You were talking was. about fan fiction. Yeah, but it's completely gone from my brain. I had like a point to what I was rambling on about and like, it's completely gone now. You got to Benji Andor and then you yeah. andored yourself off a cliff. Yeah, I can't remember what my point was. Sorry, if you come back to it, come back to it though. 
if you if you get it back, come back to it. it it's probably not going to. That thought has now left my brain. <laughs> choo choo. Pretty much. <laughs> Apologies. Um, so yeah. So how do you feel about this film? So interestingly enough, with this film, I don't particularly like Pride and Prejudice. I know I've seen every adaptation of it. I know I have. A big love, not for all of them. Like, I, in all honesty, I don't really like the 2005 film because I'm not a huge Kira Knightley fan. I don't really like the BBC version, No One Come For Me. But I don't like the story. I can't stand Darcy. I've never been able to stand Darcy. I kind of like uh, Lost in Austin, which was like a living <coughs> TV version of it, I want to say, mm-hmm. where a girl from the modern world gets dragged into it's Austin. Austin. It's Austin Land. <laughs> well, no, it's not. She replaces Elizabeth okay. in, uh, the, in the novel. Mm-hmm. Um, and Elizabeth comes to our world. <coughs> it's very fun. It's got Jemima Rupert in it. <clears throat> I rewatched it and I go, no, Lee, come on, focus. Um, so I'm not a huge Pride and Prejudice fan. I feel like that's quite blatant now. I also am not a particularly big zombie fan. I don't know if anyone's noticed this when we've covered zombie films. I'm quite picky. And I don't as a I find zombies quite boring. We did a whole month. We did a whole month. And I think I complained about zombies on every single one of those episodes for some reason or another. Uh, But yeah, I'm not a huge zombie fan. So really, this is two things that I don't particularly like mashed together (laughs) into a film. And do you know what? I don't hate it. (laughs) They take all of the best parts of the Pride and Prejudice novel. So the um, kind of tumultuous relationship between Darcy and Elizabeth, uh, Wickham being an all-round douchebag, uh, Collins being creepy as fuck. Although, it'd be fair, Collins isn't as creepy in this as he is in other adaptations. And I feel like part of that is because they cast Matt Smith. And I'm like, all in all, Matt Smith's not really that creepy of a dude. He's also a lot younger in this as well. Collins tends to be quite old. <clears throat> yeah, so this is not long after his tenure as Doctor Who has ended. So uh, yeah, probably. But no, what I mean after. is, so like, I think in most of the adaptations, Collins tends to be either a really creepy, like Barty Crouch Junior creepy, mm-hmm. or he's like a lot older than the sisters. Bizarrely enough. He's just finished playing Patrick Bateman after this. Yeah, he did this. but he's quite like so. He's quite young. I mean, yeah. he's not unattractive. I'm a huge fan of Matt Smith. I don't find him relatively creepy or cringy in this. Um, he's Matt Smith. What was I saying? Oh yes, yeah, so they kept all the stuff with like, with Collins in. Uh, I love what they did with uh, Lady <coughs> Catherine de Bourgh. I think she's fantastic in this. Um, and so they picked a lot of, like, my favourite bits out. They cut out all of the, like, the um, Lizzie and Darcy at his estate bullshit. Yeah, they replaced that with the fighting in London. Yeah, because I can't <coughs> fucking stand that entire section. Every time I watch it, I'm like, for fuck's sake, you two are just pottering around a manor house being snipey and it's really annoying so like, oh look look how wet thy shirt is yeah they cut out like all of the bits most of the stuff that with lizzie's friend who ends up marrying fucking collins because she's a drip in the book and most adaptations so a lot of the stuff that i don't like about pride and prejudice they actually cut out and they kind of kept in most of like the bantery stuff uh those two just getting at each other's necks constantly uh, they kept in the Bingley Jane stuff, which I quite like the Bingley and Jane stuff. 
Um, so yeah, like they kept it enough that it was close enough, but they cut out a lot of the extra weight for Pride and Prejudice. Uh, and also, the zombies are all pretty cool in this. Mm. See, I thought when when they announced this, because um, I was working at the cinema when this came out, yet somehow had never seen it until mm. now. I think my biggest worry going into this was them getting the tone right. Mm. Because, like, I know it's not based on a book, but when we watched Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters, like, that movie has a very specific tone. Mm -hmm. And so does Abraham Lincoln Vampire It's more kinetic, more frenetic. It's more like the Matrixy, Zack Snydery, like, quick cut editing, like, all that kind of stuff. Whereas I think this, they, they actually. To this film's credit, considering it's written by Seth Graham Smith, like who wrote the book, and he's quite a funny guy. Well, he, he didn't write the screenplay. No, but I mean, when you consider when you consider because it, it it sticks quite closely to the book. Okay. But like, there's not a lot of jokes in this. They don't try to play with tone or anything. No. It basically plays out like a straight adaptation of Pride and Prejudice, and even the zombie stuff is played straight, which I think is really fascinating. Because when you look at like who else was lined up to direct this, when you look at like David O. Russell who was lined up to direct this, or you I can't remember who the original person was who was gonna direct it. There was two directors previously that dropped out. I know that David O. Russell was one of them. And he was gonna hire Marty Noxon to, to um write it, who was one Buffy, of the Buffy writers. Yeah. And I think she wrote no no no, actually scratch that, I don't think she did. I thought she had something to do with the first Twilight movie. I think she had something to do with Grimm though. Yeah. She may have been the writer on Twilight, the first Twilight, or she had... Maybe, I don't anyway, know. Anyway, that's irrelevant. Um, and I was kind of like, if David O. Russell had got hold of it, I think it would have been a bit, like, quirkier. And I don't... I, I think <clears throat> if they tried to make this more comedic and more light-hearted and more of a spoof, then I think that's when they would have got into trouble. See, I do think that's the thing that really does work for this movie, is because it is, it's a straight-up Regency movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like, with zombies, yeah, and, like... But, like, it's not like they're, like, hefted around, like, maces and mallets or, like, it's fucking, like, semi-automatic weapons, which yeah. you know full well in some people's hand it would have been. Yeah. They're firing, like, single-shot muskets. The girls are using swords, daggers, axes, like... Uh, Matey uses a glass at one point. He, yeah. like, glasses some cut in the neck. And then stump, stumps on his head. Yeah. Like, it's all, like, Regency-appropriate weaponry... Uh, they don't change the language really, bar adding in like some zombie references. Mm -hmm. It's all, and there's like even the zombie references are still in tone with like Regency language, uh, which I think is delightful. Like I'm really impressed. I will say this with how in tone <clears> they <throat> managed to keep a movie, which is basically them going, <laughs> you know, Pride and Prejudice. We added zombies to that. I think that's probably the reason why this movie failed. Because I think, like, general horror audiences probably went into this thinking it was going to be more of a horror movie and they were going to have horrified it more. Whereas I think that Regency audiences went into it probably, like, an older generation probably went into this and were a bit sniffy about it. And then I think, like, a younger audience probably went into it thinking, oh, it's going to be, like, spoof. yeah, really, like, funny and kinetic. Because this came out the same summer as, like, uh, Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse, which is a very funny film. And I think... That's probably why it didn't hit. Yeah, because like, horror the fans were kind of like, "Oh, I don't want to watch a Regency." Yeah, movie. I don't want to Regency sit through fans were like, "I ain't watching a zombie movie," and fucking the younger audience like, is like, "Oh, if it's not funny, then I don't want to see it." Yeah, yeah. If like 
fucking Elizabeth Bennett's not fucking cha- chain drinking monster energy drink and talking about like fucking Fortnite. I don't care. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I mean, I, I feel like not that, but I feel like it just wasn't like spoofy enough. Yeah. Um, but I'm, do you know what? Because I never saw this, I never read the book, but I'm very pleased with the fact that they did keep it very totally appropriate. I yeah. Think, I think it adds credence to what is essentially a really stupid movie mm. because it's all taken so... Like, this is fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Like, it is people <clears throat> in, like, full Regency garb as well because they, like, they're, they're dressed appropriately as well. Yeah. Like, all of the girls have got the corsets on with the, like, uh, drape, like drape necklines... Full length Gar- dresses. They got fucking knives and garter belts. And then they, 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 they like got their knives up in their garter belts, and like, uh, there's one scene where they're out walking and they've all got muskets and swords. Yeah. Which is hilarious. Uh, but it's like it's all all of the outfitting is appropriate for the time period it's set in, and it would have been very easy. And I feel like in other directors or the writers' hands mm. to go. Oh well, we'll put the girls in like the dresses, but then we'll put like the corsets over the top with like knife holders and stuff like that, which wouldn't have been done. Mm-hmm. You would never wear. You would never do that back then. Whereas what they did was they kept it completely time appropriate, but just went. But what if there was a zombie apocalypse at the same yeah, time? Which I think is great. And I do love the fact that they <coughs> they even keep the stuff with like Mister Bennett being like a lot more. Uh, lenient with his daughters, daughters and a lot of people would be because they even keep the line in where his Mrs. Bennett was like, oh, if you don't marry uh, Mr. Collins, Dar- then no, Mr. Oh, Car- Collins, yeah, Collins okay. and I will never speak to you again. And her father's like, if you don't, your mother will never speak to you again. But if you do, I will never speak with you again, which is a line pulled directly from the book okay. uh, at the same time that Lizzie Bennett is going to fucking town with like. An axe handle, I want to she's say, on a tree. tree. Yeah, and yeah. she's like beating the shit out of this tree with an axe. And I'm like, that's so ridiculous. But they play it so straight that you're like, that makes perfect sense. This is completely tonally appropriate and accurate. I think it also helps. Like, I've said this to you time and time again. And it doesn't matter what we watch her in. Like, I love, I think Lily James is a fucking yeah. incredible actress. Like, I've always thought she was an incredible actress. But... It helps that all of the women, more so than the men, all look like actual women. Like, you look at a picture of a Lily James at any period in her life, probably not when she's dressed up Hannah Anderson, but you look at her and, like, yesterday, the phone advert that she did, that fucking film we watched the other week where she was in it, What's Love Got To Do With It? You look at her at any time and she looks like a woman from this time period. And I think that's also the great thing as well is like this mo- the cast of this movie on paper is fucking ridiculous. Yes. Like, and I think most of, most of if not all of them are British. Mm-hmm. Um, but you look at all of the actors like Douglas Booth has. I mean, he was in the Riot Club, which again is another film of like whatever. But he he looks like he could come from this time period. Mm-hmm. So does Jack Houston, so does Sam Riley. All of the girls do. And it's I think that again as well, like lends like because originally Lily Collins was up for this. And I'm like uh, Natalie Portman yeah, was and I'm well. like, Nadog. Um Mia Yeah, she Wachowski. Wachowski. She would have been good. 
because she again has that timeless look about her. Do you know what's really annoying is I pronounced her surname perfectly without stumbling on it early or we weren't being recorded. The minute we're recorded, I'm like, I can't make that name make sense. I think the thing is, the minute you start putting people like Natalie Portman in this or Scarlett Johansson, that's when you start to lose a little bit of credibility because yeah. then it becomes really obvious that you're watching Natalie Portman or Scarlett Johansson in a period drama. Not, not to take anything away from those two women, but mm. they're so recognisable as being like American film stars that you... And this is one of the... the, to the, To the benefit of any version of Pride and Prejudice that they've ever done, is that they tend to hire actresses that are A, on the rise... So they're not super famous when they do And B, they're normally British. And they're normally British. But they also have that look about them. Mm -hmm. Like, you look at young Rosamund Pike. You look at Kira Knightley. You look at, like, Lily James. They all look like what women look like in that time period. And I think that lends a lot of credibility when you're doing, like, a period piece. As if you can get people that don't take you out of the immersion of the the thing that you're watching. Mm -hmm. Um... So yeah, I I think this movie's really really well cast. Yeah. Um and like then you put in people like Lena Headey and you put in like fucking Charles Dance who add like that extra game like of gravitas. gravitas to it and you're like, "All right, now we're cooking with gas." Yeah. Lena Headey is fucking delightful. Is it Headey or Headey? I can never, I don't I have no idea how to pronounce this woman's Heady. name. Headey, I've always pronounced it Headey. I'm sorry, Lena. Like, I don't know how to say your name, bro. She's fucking delightful in this, is Lady Catherine de Bourgh. She's in this movie for six minutes, I guess, like, top billing. Do you know what's hilarious? Is my favorite, One of my favourite bits is when they're walking through her house yeah. when they arrive with um, Collins, and he's like, and here is the portrait of Lady Catherine defeating zombie Lucifer. <laughs> and it's, it's, the, it's the fucking portrait of Michael... Killing, yes. like, take like the Lucifer's fall of yeah. Michael casting Lucifer out of heaven, but with her painted up as Michael with a fucking zombie Lucifer. It's basically the the painting of Paradise Lost. It is so. Yeah. It it that entertained me to know, and I was like, this is fucking hilarious. And then the um, Horseman one next, no. Yeah. But I think there's some of the zombie stuff in this is great. Mm. as well like like they do they do quite like they do just enough world building with the zombies that you're like okay because there's like the bit with the the church of lazarus which is a little bit on the nose if you ask me personally yeah um (laughs) where they're like they're all they can talk and they're all still they they've held on to their humanity yeah because they're all being given the blood as they're all being given no it's pig's brains they're being given as the communion wine yeah, pig's uh, blood, is it? Pig's brains. Oh, I thought it was pig's blood. Which said. feeds them, mm. but it doesn't... They don't start losing their humanity until they eat their first human. Yeah. So it keeps them alive, sustains them, whilst helping them keep their... Humanity. Humanity. Which I'm like, this is a lot. Do you know what I mean? Like, you've really thought this through. Yeah. I think it's sensible. Yeah, it's very clever. Like, there is some really sharp writing in this. I mean, obviously, Jane Austen, I mean, she she knew her way around some prose. She Um, did. So they had a lot to work with. I'm surprised that it never got sequels, but then I'm also not surprised because it was a failure. And it kind of basically stopped dead the, like, mashup franchise because before this, you had Hansel and Gretel, which isn't based on a book. It was just one of those films mm-hmm. they made in 2013. Abraham Lincoln Vampire. Abraham Lincoln comes out either before or after this. I can't remember which way around it is. 
But like they didn't make any more of these types of films like after this, um, which is a shame. But then the book phase like came and went really quickly mm. because then they started moving into other mediums because there's like the fucking Shakespearean retellings of like fucking Star Wars and shit that you yes. can buy, which is ridiculous. But like I sent you the thing. Uh, what were some of the books that came out in the wake of this? Oh, mate, some of them have got delightful names. Hang on. I have a list. I has a list. Not that list. That list. Has a list. So we have Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Uh, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, who was also written by Seth Graham Smith. Uh, Sense and Sensibility and Sea Monsters. Uh, Jane Slayer. Dawn of the Dreadfalls, which was the prequel to this. Uh, Android Karenina, <laughs> uh, Dreadfully Ever After, which was the sequel to this. Uh, Mr. Darcy, Vampire. Uh, it's a Wonderful Death. We still play on its Wonderful Life. Uh, Alice in Zombieland and Little Vampire Women. Queen Victoria, Demon Hunter. Grave Expectations. It's a great one. Uh, Henry VIII, Wolfman. <laughs> That's one of my favourites. Uh, the meow meow amorphosis uh jane of the jane and the damned or jane of the damned jane and the damned sorry not jane take on jane Eyre there uh north hanger abbey angels and dragons i am scrooge a zombie story for christmas uh a night in the a night in the lonesome october i don't i feel like that might be phantom of the opera mm. um and then I think that's it, because these ones I don't think are actually... I think someone's yeah. accidentally added these ones onto the list. But it's kind of interesting, isn't it, to see that like people jumped on a phase that like had its moment and then died off like very, very quickly. Yeah, like, I'm intrigued as to who the other ones were written by. And it's mad to also think, by the time this movie came out, the fad was basically already over. Yeah, because... Yeah, because literally all of them, bar obviously, I'm assuming the prequel and sequel. Oh no, they weren't even written by the same man. Uh, they were written by Steve Hockensmith. Mm. Uh, but none of the others, bar Abraham Lincoln, was written by the same author. They were all written by other people. Yeah. Most of them seem to have been written by Ben H. Winters, mm-hmm. who is the man who... And the, the publishing house that put out the first couple of books... Is the same publishing house that put out Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children series as well. Ah, uh, yeah. That's what they made their money on. <laughs> but yeah, it's mad. Like, I think if this movie had come out maybe closer to the release of the book, it might have been more successful. But I don't really know how successful the book was. Like, I know that it did, like, decent numbers and it was on Amazon's bestseller list for a while. But I don't know if that was just because everybody bought it straight away then read it and word of mouth was really bad or like the novelty died off very quickly. Um, I don't know. It's one of those things where I think it, it kind of was a middling book anyway when it came out. Mm. I don't think it wasn't like wildly popular. I think everyone who kind of read it, they either quite liked it or didn't like it very much. It was very like middling. Yeah. And no one was like, this is my favourite book that's ever been written. Everyone was like, yeah, it's, it's all right. I think that's kind of half the problem. Like, I think if the film had come out closer to the book, so like 2010 and 11, the world was going through a zombie renaissance then anyway, with stuff like Zombieland coming out and being really successful in 2009. 
and then Warm Bodies coming out a little bit after that and being very successful. And then obviously that was the time when The Walking Dead was coming out and zombies were going through like a really big resurgence through that like 2009 to 2014 period. Obviously 2013 World War Z comes out. Um, and I think maybe this... And missed... then the zombie renaissance died. Yeah, and I think this maybe missed the boat by a couple of years. And I think, you know, you look at like the landscape of films in 2016. So this comes out, like I think, the middle of 2016, which is when we're kind of back in that Star Wars is back. You know, everybody's preparing for Rogue One coming out. Marvel's dropping things like Civil War, mm-hmm. you know, in that year. You know, Disney was on the comeback trail with like stuff like Moana and... You know, horror was in a very different place. We are very, we are, we're like balls deep in the fucking Conjuring franchise by this point. Mm. And I think, you know, looking at the zeitgeist of when this came out, and it's also a time period in which we weren't really doing Regency. Regency. Yeah, like Regency's back in style again now. Obviously, yeah. Bridgerton and everything like that being really popular. I mean, Shagerton. I suppose Downton Abbey was. Uh, Ring, yeah. that was like your mum was watching Downton Abbey. Your nan was watching it. Your nan it. was watching it, your mum was watching it. I wasn't watching it. People who were fapping to Dan Stevens were watching it. He uh, was a handsome man. Yes. Um, and, you know, I think I think the landscape of cinema just was in very much a big, loud, bombastic, everything's a franchise, everything's an IP. Like, And I just think this kind of slipped through the net for a lot of people. But I do think if it had been released closer to the release of the book then I think it may have been more successful because it's not a bad film. It's actually a really competently made film yeah. and a very, dare I say it, faithful adaptation of not only the, the mashup novel that it's based on, but the actual work yeah. of Jane Austen. I do well. think another issue with this film is as well is it doesn't really have... Like, Douglas Booth was always passingly popular, but he yeah. wasn't really that big. Same with Sam Riley. Yeah. He's not oh, really done I a huge... didn't know who he was. I'd yeah. never heard the name. Obviously, like people know who um Matt Smith is. Matt Smith, but again, I don't remember it being marketed that he was in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh people obviously know who fucking Cinderella is. Lily James now. Lily James is. Uh, but I don't think like outside of it having Lena Healy and Charles Dance in it, which to certain people is like a big draw, but yeah. others not because neither of them were in it for very long. Um, I don't think it quite had the star power cast. Yeah. I think um, that would have like drawn a lot of people in. Now that I say it, I think I'm like right in saying that this maybe came out the same year as Cinderella. Maybe. Or Cinderella was like the following year. It's maybe. in that same time period. I don't know. Um, that she was doing Cinderella, but yeah, I think you know also as well like this is coming off of the heels of like. Stuff like Snow White and the Huntsman, and I think people were a bit like, "Come on, do we really, do we really want to like see this kind of like?" Because those movie, that movie failed. Both of those movies failed. A very different kind of film. Though. Yeah, but it's very much like a an alternate version of like yeah, classic story stuff that people know. So I think this movie had a lot going for it. I don't think it was marketed very well. No, I don't either. Really marketed which is like well. you know. Um, a real shame because I think this is one of those movies that like, people will look back on now. Like this is a, a movie that when it comes onto streaming is always like really successful. Like people watch it on streaming because it's a good Friday night movie. It's a good like I'm at home. It's winter time. I can't go out. I can't go to the pub. I can't do something. So oh, I'll put this on. And then I think you know a lot more people have reappraised it in the years since it came out. 
But yeah, I've always I I think I've always enjoyed the book, and I think I enjoyed the film as someone who loves the work of Jane Austen and someone who loves zombies. It was a perfect film for me. Like it was always going to be like a good idea. Yeah. But I think I'm a little bit more protective over the works of literature that I love than what you are. So I was also a bit like, if you fuck this up, I will hunt you down and kill all your families. Hmm. LOL, I'm just having a look what kind of came out at a similar time to this in the UK, just for a... So Goosebumps came out the same month. When was this? October? November time? February. February. 2016. Fucking hell. So, yeah. Yeah, because we got a delayed release of Goosebumps, didn't we? Beauty and the Beast had come out. Deadpool came out the day before. Holy shit, yeah. That wouldn't have And then the following day, so after this came out, Point Break, Alvin and the Chipmunks, The Road to the... The Road Chip, Zoolander 2, Gem and the Holograms... Welcome to Leith came out. I thought Gem and the Holograms was a 2015 movie for some reason. Uh, I think it was, but I don't think it made it here. Oh, yeah, we got a lot of delayed releases, didn't we? Yeah, and then in the same month, so after it had been released throughout the rest of the month, I don't don't think there was that much else. The Finest Hours came out, How to Be Single came out. Mm. Uh, Frankenstein. That must have been the DVD release for that. Grimsby... Jesus Christ, fucking Grimsby. Yeah, so I mean, it was it was smashed in between Deadpool and fucking Zoolander yeah, 2. Yeah, I, I remember that being... Which, to a... be honest, was probably not the best release time for it. Yeah, Zoolander was shit, but I remember there being a lot of hype about it. Everyone was very excited for Zoolander 2. Everyone was fucking excited for Deadpool. We went to go see it twice. Yeah, we went to see Zoolander as well. But yeah, literally. So it was the 9th was Beauty and the Beast, the 10th was Deadpool, 11th was Pride, Prejudice and Zombies, and then this all came out on the 12th. Mm. Holy shit. So, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, this was probably... Yeah, you can tell. Yeah, Gemini Holograms got 2015. Yeah, so. there's a bunch of 2015s. There's a 2014 that didn't come out until mm. thing over here. Um, but like this was probably not the best time to yeah. release this movie. Also, it's released three days before Valentine's Day. Yeah. Which again, not a great release over here. No. Yeah, I think it was it was set up to fail. Yeah, I think it was dumped, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty much. But uh, Final Four ceilings and scores on this one. I really like this movie, man. Uh, I like the cast in this movie. Every every member of the cast is an absolute banger in this. Um, except Sam Riley, who I just I can't get on board with. Do you know what I think? He I think he does Darcy justice. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I liked it. It's faithful to to Jane's work. I think that I think I think that's the other thing. I said this to you. I think the fact that they played it straight meant that they didn't do the thing that I would have done if I'd made this, and I personally would have gone full meta and made Jane Austen patient zero. Because I just think that would have been so fucking funny. Yes, okay. As like a meta thing. But like, I'm glad they didn't. But also, I'm like, that would have been really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like this movie. It functions very well as a as a adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. It functions very well as a zombie movie. Um, and yeah, I 10 out of 10, no notes. I, I would give it probably a 4 out of 5. Um, just because I do think some of the performances are a little bit wooden. But, you know, yeah, I liked it. I also think it's a very good adaptation of the book as well. Okay. Go. Uh, would I say this is a great film? No. 
Would I say that this is a beautifully shot cinematic masterpiece? Fuck no. Would I say that this movie is wildly enjoyable? Yes. This movie is stupid. It's ridiculous. Weirdly loyal to Pride and Prejudice, which I find endlessly hilarious. The acting is all alright for what they're doing. It's weirdly well shot for what the fuck it is. Mm. Uh, the fight sequences are always really well choreographed. Um, and weirdly, this is the kind of film I would put on in the background while I'm working. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I would go back and watch this in a heartbeat. And I really fucking liked it. I really would sit here and go, no, it's shit. But in actual fact, this movie's really good. It's, it's stupid, but it is wildly enjoyable. For that reason, that reason alone, I'm giving it a fucking five stars. Good times. For me in the comments, I don't care. This is a five star movie. Smoke cheddar to ask, get her coming in. Come for me, bitches. So yeah, we will be. That's our thoughts on Pride and Prejudice Zombies. Have you guys seen it? If you have, come find us on social media: S I M A H F Pod on Twitter, some Arrow Horror Fan, all lowercase, all one word on Instagram, and possibly maybe it will be updated at some point. Tumblr. My Tumblr's up today. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> um, we will be back on Friday with a look at the Hulu adaptation of Clive Barker's <laughs> Books of Blood for our crossing the stream for this month, yes. and then we will return for our. 153rd episode next week on John Dies at the End. Keep an eye on our social media. We will be releasing this week our slate for December, which I am very excited about. Mm -hmm. Until then, I've been Simon. I've been Lee. Stay spooky. Stay safe. Goodbye. Bye.